Hello and welcome to another Miraculous Beings episode. I'm your host and self-awareness coach Shweta Shivraman and this is a series where we observe, learn from others' life journeys, others who I believe epitomize being miraculous in its true spirit, individuals who've worked hard to get where they are, who love what they do and are really passionate about living life to the fullest. Today's speaker is Parmita Shroff. Parmita is a certified raw vegan food chef from Sayuri Healing Foods Ubud and has successfully completed a postgraduate diploma in yogic sciences from ICYHC Kaivalidha, Bombay. Founder to Prana Kitchen, she serves plant-based whole foods and is located at the Wellness Center in Prism Healing Institute. She has completed over 90 plus hours training in Mysore style Ashtanga Yoga with Bharat Shetty, Indi Yoga, and is a frequent visitor at the Vipassana Retreat. She is also a certified sound healer who loves to use different avenues of energy medicine and often conducts sound healing sessions. She's also completed a 10-day intensive Iyengar style yoga course with Sharat Arora in Dharamshala. A part-time raw vegan chef and a full-time yogi, this 29-year-old born and brought up in Bombay was an ex-investment banker and changed her career paths post-volunteering at a permaculture farm in Auroville. Her practice and style of teaching is deeply rooted from her teachings of Vipassana. Yoga has been her roots and as a subject in her school curriculum from a very young age, she would meditate at the Ramana Maharishi Ashram in Tirunamalai and Maitri Mandir Pondicherry. She is passionate about educating and creating awareness on how to lead a life with harmony in Mother Nature, which is reflected in her work at Prana Kitchen. She believes true yoga begins the moment you step off the mat, as it is a way of life. I'm so happy to have you here, Parmita. Let's get started. Hello, Parmita. Thank you so much for being a part of the Miraculous Being show. It's so nice to have you here. My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm so excited to be here, Shweta. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> yeah, and I was just doing your introduction and I'm already so excited. I mean, raw food chef, full-time yogini. Uh, but I would love for you to share your story with the audience before we go deeper in. So, if you yeah. could. Yeah, sure. Maybe I'll just keep it short. It's been a lot of U-turns, a lot of detours, a lot of aha moments. But I think through and through, it's just been a journey into wellness. And when I say journey, it's definitely not a destination. So I'm excited for this conversation. But that being said, I don't have it all figured out yet. <laughs> and I don't think that's the intention that I have for myself either through this process. I think it's just it's just beautiful just seeing uh, different aspects um, of my being unfolded through different experiences but yeah I was I studied finance and then I took an investment job so I was working at an investment bank in Bombay City a very fast-paced lifestyle as we were discussing earlier and um, I think that just caught on to me I think at some point very earlier on in my career I realized this is not something I wanted to sign up for apart from a hefty paycheck I was very miserable and um I think that's when my mom sort of guided me to explore and try other avenues of not just income generation, but also trying to see what other things bring me joy or fulfill me on an emotional, mental, financial, spiritual level. And um, really grateful that she has the space 
Prism Healing Institute, which is what I call my playground. Um, it was almost like a blank canvas and gave me whatever colors I wanted to choose and color, color out of the box as well. So I think I'm really grateful for that experimentation and parents who were very supportive, my dad and my mom, uh, who allowed me to just color outside and see what what the journey ahead lies. So I quit investment banking with a friend of mine, Malvika, who was a corporate lawyer. And um, it's always nice having association. And I'm sure we're going to dabble a bit about association, Sangha, community, tribe. And I think at that point, just even having that one person on your path with you definitely gives you that much more courage to make these bold decisions like quit a corporate career or a financially stable option and just dive into the unknown. So we both set out to actually start a restaurant. And then uh, as the universe had it, we actually, through the process, decided maybe we should take on a diploma in yogic sciences. So we did a one-year diploma course from Kevalyadham. And um, organically through that, we got into sound. So we also became certified sound teachers and sound healers. And... Um, uh, the journey for food actually began organically before my investment banking career. I volunteered on a farm in Pondicherry called Solitude Farm before taking on this job. And at that time, I didn't think I had any inclination to be a chef or even get into the food um, business as such. I just wanted to have a me time and, and the green spaces always call me so that's the reason why I decided to volunteer on a farm and when I came back and when I started this corporate profession career I realized that's what I was missing you know the simplicity of that lifestyle that I'd experienced on the farm life eating whole foods and just eating with my hands seeing the laborious efforts and being part like participating in that you know whether it's harvesting whether it's um spreading awareness whether it's packaging and I think that's when I realized like that's what really fills my cup you know living in a big city so disconnected from nature don't know where our food comes from a certain sense of entitlement you know you just walk into a grocery store and you think you can just buy this because you can pay that price um so complete disconnection with the land with what it had to offer and I think uh that's where the medicine lies. That's where the miracles happen. That's where that energy exchange, which is, um, it's experiential, you know, people who've tasted it, felt it, they just know there's something so, so powerful about it. And I think that was my initiation into wellness, or I would say um, into plant medicine, food just being one of those extensions. And fast forward later, I decided to, after um, doing a diploma in yogic sciences, also dabbled in um, food, decided to do a chef training in Bali. And um, I think ever since it's just been a journey, a journey into discovering myself. I think food being an extension, you are what you eat, as um, Buddha says. And I do feel that just made me more conscious of all kinds of consumption, not just food, food being a metaphor for everything I consume um, energetically through my mind, my body, uh, words, thoughts, association. And I think by questioning what's on my plate, it led to the bigger questions of what's on my heart, mind, which is sort of the purpose of yoga, you know, to question and also um, notice when your chitta, your heart, mind is in that state of fluctuation. So I think, yeah, I think this journey has been um, very insightful to say the least, but at the same time, also very fulfilling. I think it really it allows you to experience moments of deep, deep, deep santosha and deep contentment. And um, that's why you continue doing what you're doing, I guess, you know, and now I'm just on this 
place where I like to share and spread awareness about plant food because I think that's we all in a city like ours need some form of healing whether we are having a disease or not there is disharmony just by virtue of living in such a overly stimulated environment and structure and i think that's where food plays a vital role and um, like i said energy medicine as well so yoga sound baths is something that now i like offering and sharing space with and over the years created a community and that's how we met <laughs> yeah yeah I'm grateful for that and thank you so much for walking us through right like that's like not just a like a 360 degree turn right from investment banking to yoga food sound healing and and like you rightly said right it's still a journey it's still unfolding and that's one of the things that we really love about the show as well so in miraculous beings we say that we take pride in interviewing work in progress humans right that until we reach the really end end all of us are always going to be improving evolving and changing and it's really about how can we be conscious through that change right as it's unfolding can we really be present to it to what's happening around us within us as it's happening right and uh, one of the things that uh, really stood out to me is what you said was that you know there is there is always this fluctuations in the chitta right and i'm sure through all of these times while uh, you know there is that santosha that fulfillment that is there on an overall basis i'm sure there are also low movement moments where you know you question everything probably you know there are these existential questions that come in and like a wave or a tsunami hit us right so how have those moments been for you and what has really helped you navigate because transformation is not always pleasant absolutely absolutely um no that i think that's a very very pertinent question and i feel you know even when i say i'm on this path and on this journey a lot of people just assume by virtue of me being on this side of it like a facilitator or a healer or a space holder or whatever you want to call me uh that oh you've achieved it you know so how can you share knowledge about it and while i'm like no like you know there are still moments where i'm fear takes the better of me there are still moments where i just don't know i have zero clarity i don't have any wisdom or any knowledge to share but um i'll just share a couple of things that probably have helped me one definitely the most fundamental practice being that of vipassana i think that has been life transformative for me um not just the sn going ka style but another lineage um by patrick kerney he's an australian teacher and he comes down here to kodai canal at bodhisendu a buddhist training retreat in um kodai canal south of india so those really helped me just cultivating vipassana tracking your um awareness in real time so i think it's a silent camp and i think over the years i think i've probably attended now around 8 to 10 i've lost track but each time it's come back just watering newer seeds and realizing that you know at the end of it everything is in a constant state of flux or change and everything is temporary and how sn goenka normally says anicca that there is nothing permanent and um i feel that's where the lesson lies but also the problem lies you know because all we ever know of life and i think all we ever taught from a very young age is uh, to get out of our bodies and get into our mind you know the schooling education everything how are you uniquely different associate with your name um so there's so much ego creation you know there's so much identity creation that and then i reach at point when there's suffering and i'm like who am i and who is suffering and what is suffering 
and I try asking myself those bigger questions, but I'm so baffled because all I know of my reality is through this little lens of I am Parmita and then all the associations that come with that. And and I think Vipassana allowed me to sort of like walk out from the, you know, the subject-object relationship and come into the observer mode, you know, and just observe, just like a child is playing with a toy and it's so absorbed by the toy and there's a mother who's just watching, just playing witness. So I feel allows me to come into that. And while, yeah, I'm not perfect, there'll still be moments where emotions will throw me off balance. But I think the practice of that, of cultivating that habit of constantly cultivating nishpan bhav or detached observation over a period, it's um like Krishna Dara says, it's like weight training. You know, it's not like the storm won't hit you. It will. But the duration of the storm will be much lesser. So you'll be able to experience anger, you'll be able to experience jealousy or whatever emotions life has to throw at you. But the grip it has on you is much lesser. And I think even in yogic philosophy that we're all we're all bound by the kleshas, they're all afflictions. And um, um, Abhinavesh being the, the most prominent, fear of death or clingingness to life, which comes from our rag and dveshas, our attachments and, you know, dislikes, things that we don't like. And, oh, this is what I love. Because if I ask you, Shweta, what do you like? Who are you? You'll probably describe yourself in things you like and mm-hmm. or things you do not like. Like, how else do you describe yourself? You introduce me as a yoga teacher, a raw vegan chef, a pet mom. All of this is things that I like to associate myself with, right? So I think... Um, at the heart of it, definitely cultivating that. So any form of meditation practice might help. But for me, Vipassana was a huge part of the practice and being exposed to it at a very young age. I think that, again, um, uh, you know, was very pivotal. I did experience loss and death at a very young age. I lost my brother at 19. So um, I feel that, again, was a gateway, I think. And today, I think I'm able to share this gift of life or like, that's what I feel Prana tries to um, spread or share is, you know, how do we live radiantly alive? How do we celebrate life? And how do we tap into our higher self? So I think um, I only understood that when I could understand what death is. So they're flip sides of the same coin. And um, having that exposure at that young age to practices like Vipassana, I was also fortunate that my parents gave me a lot of exposure to international festivals, whether it's Bali Spirit Festival, whether it was Rishikesh, the International Yoga Festival. So a lot of exposure to different tools. So I would again say if you don't know where to start, or always nice to just sign up for something that's happening that sounds interesting. You may not be 100% yes about it, but even just you showing up at that class or at that practice, meditation, art, whatever form of creative expression. Again, it's a tool, whether it's dance, whether it's movement-based, whether it's stillness-based, definitely helps to anchor yourself. So I think any practice eventually, I think that comes, allows you to just switch off the mind and come into your body. Because I think from a young age, the conditioning has been to get into your mind. You know, how can you think different? How can you, um, you know, think apart how do you create a sense of how are you better than the rest you know and I think in a certain sense when we drop our awareness into the body into the feeling body it's already there we don't really have to do anything new anything extraordinary and I think in that sense that peaceful resignation allows you to deal with stressful situations from a more detached lens and um I think that's what helps me anchor myself so Vipassana and any other activities Working with my hands, particularly, so farming, 
were volunteering at a permaculture farm. We have a lot of minor chakras in our farms and no doubt kids, when we're kids, are very intuitive and very smart. So they clap, they scream, they let it out. And it's the same tools for us, you know, we just feel like we're adulting and more mature by being more stoic or being more well gathered. But actually, we're cutting off our tools to release, you know, cutting off our tools to come back, recalibrate, come back to equilibrium. So, and I think that's where our moon circles, you know, come in, because I think just like the moon, we all have phases, you know, we all have tides. There's, it's it's never going to be full. It's never going to be completely dark. You know that, you know, there are going to be these cycles and phases and having a community of people who kind of commit to their well-being and check in, you know, periodically allows you to feel safe and let it out, you know, whether that's through tears, whether that's dance, movement, uh, connecting in nature, again, biggest healer. So hugging trees, trekking mountains, swimming in the oceans, whatever is accessible, I would say to a certain point. But yeah, Vipassana, connecting with nature, working with your hands and movement um, are, I would say, my biggest tools <laughs> to ground myself. Beautiful, beautiful. And I love how you said that, uh, you know, tracking and having that awareness in real time, right? I think uh, that's one of the biggest challenges, like uh, when we are doing yoga, or, you know, we are on the mat, and we're so mindful, and we're just so present. Uh, the minute we're off the mat and outside the shala, everything's gone, you know, like the one traffic on and you're back to, you know, swearing. <laughs> so, you know, it's really about how do you keep that awareness? Because uh, I remember in Kaivalyam, also one of the teachers saying that, you know, yoga is 24 by seven, it's not that six 60 minutes that you do on the mat and I know you also have a strong view on how yoga is a way of life uh, anything you want to share on how do you really keep that awareness on a regular basis yeah so um sure I, yeah, I absolutely agree yoga is uh, a lifestyle and I think the more you come into harmony you actually just dwell in that space of love and you come from that space of love and love not just being an act or a gesture but just everything you say, everything you do, how can I be more sensitive of my environment? How can I live a more compassionate lifestyle? How can I um, lead gracefully? How can I keep the intentions and of others over mine? How can I serve a community rather than just my family? And I think automatically the more these ideas or questions plague you or in a certain sense, you entertain this it automatically happens I think the universe helps you because today when I look back I'm like when did I become this like when did I become this girl like <laughs> I tell people are like can you just not think about the the impact on I don't know environment and can you just have this and can you just buy this dress and I'm just like yeah when did I become this <laughs> and um, I don't know I feel like somewhere I did nothing you know apart from the choice Yes, we all have a choice. And um, the more you be conscious of your choices, I think it becomes, it creates this, almost like this energetic pathway. So you automatically start mirroring experiences that vibe your energy or your frequency match. So I think and thoughts have an energy, emotions have an energy. So um, I think the more you start dwelling in that state of interconnectedness, you attract opportunities, people, situations that match that. So I would definitely say dwelling in love but I know that's a little vague but trying to and I think that's why for me even veganism is a lifestyle when people are like oh is it just a diet and I'm like no it just has 
compassion at the core of it whether that's through you want to express that through your food whether that you want to express that through the clothes you wear whether that's through the products you use skincare um makeup whether it's through the luxury brands or not that you choose or not to consume i think all of that you know and like i think it's never ending the the more we live life and just especially living in a society like bombay a metropolitan city there's so much consumption so to be conscious of all your consumption i think that's hard in itself and i'm not saying you want to drive yourself mad but to whatever extent to whatever limit you can choose i think exert that choice you know exercise that right to choose whether in the smallest way maybe it just starts with one meal a week that you're being conscious of um and like i think that slowly has a domino effect and the universe conspires you know it helps you make this switch or transition that is not just for the benefit of you but for all other sentient beings so i definitely felt that so which is why i feel like yoga became more accessible over time and i think uh another thing that actually my dog has taught me and i playfully like call him leela and i think is just don't take life so seriously you know so and this is again also my dad to a certain extent he just has always been someone who is not afraid of being called silly or humorous or you know laughs very easily and uh, i think i didn't realize that just having that playful attitude to life can sometimes just help you not be burdened by you know the past or the future so much and you automatically can just dwell in the present moment because it's just playful even with meditation actually my patrick my vipassana teacher he always says dhamma is far too important to be taken seriously so if it's a serious practitioner you feel the essence of dhamma you don't want to do that you kind of want to come with it with a playful attitude play with it get curious try different things you know and uh, I think that's when it became more accessible for me if I had to think that you know a 19 year old me walked into a vipassana thing and thought that this is it I was like am I crazy I would have probably thought that's for my 60s or 70s you know mm-hmm. and I think I actually realized this is so, so much more juicy right now in my formative years when I actually implement these tools so I think yeah definitely play with it don't take yourself too seriously and uh, mm-hmm. try to lead a more compassionate life try to be more conscious of your consumption i think that for me definitely helps um processing also denser emotions better and just darker sides of myself i think when you when you lead a more compassionate lifestyle sometimes it's not towards just other sentient being by function of that we start becoming more compassionate to ourselves which is the crux of it because i think only when you have the relation you have with yourself is the blueprint for all other relationships so if you are someone who is someone who is very controlling someone who is very um i don't know judgmental it just shows how much you have all of that directed to yourself so i think with time when i say you be playful with yourself i think i've had extremes you know i've been on a complete rock lens and i'm like this is it this is the idea of me and then i've also been that girl who's eaten all the junk and all you know artificial flavored food and all of that and thought it was this is paradise you know and i think again find that balance coming back to that you know finding that balance neither nor like life is not to be experienced in extremes we are supposed to experience it so whatever is coming up for you accept 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 and i think that being the first step towards healing or transformation you know just accept what's coming up and leading a compassionate lifestyle allows you to accept that allows you to accept your darker sides your demons invite them in sometimes have a cup of tea with them 
and just study yourself better because then you kind of it mirrors out in your life with all your relationships with all your interactions so yeah yeah beautiful so dwell more in love rather than fear right and playfulness right i think that's so uh i mean so it, it's such a natural thing because as kids we are generally by playful right and you know i'm a banker you're an investment banker if you just go back to your work floors i mean smiling would be unique right like you'll rarely find like people look for reasons and if you're smiling people ask you why are you smiling you know that it's not yeah. that Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I think uh, somewhere along adulthood, I think we just forget that, you know, it doesn't have to be that serious. It, it can be playful and light and still good. And doesn't mean that you shirk responsibility, but yeah. you don't take that burden on your shoulders, right? It's just Absolutely. easy. Yeah. Yeah. And when I say playful, even the joys and even the sorrows, like in office today, someone said something and I thought it was pay- like, I th- I got offended. So I just started crying and they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, no, no it's okay. I'll just tend to overexpress and overreact. And for a lot of them, that's just like, oh my God, she's crying. And like, you know, we've held up like society, especially with men, I feel out here, like, you know, they've always just been told to, we as women at least have our period cycles. So sort of allow, given those pockets or those windows to release emotionally but I think for men they're just always so guards up and you know it's unfamiliar for them to put their guards down and I think again that's we were not meant for that like you know even as kids they cry one moment next moment they're laughing sometimes they're crying and laughing together and it's okay and that's natural <laughs> it is yeah. you yeah. probably take them to the doctor if they're not laughing right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I think you just forget that. And and you're very right. I think uh, as men, probably the liberty to even express their emotions is so much curtailed. And uh, we talk a lot about women and uh, our issues, but I think men's mental health is something that nobody just really considers, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, extremely difficult, yeah. yeah. But going back to what you said, right, about uh, having someone to, you know, be a part of the journey with. And, you know, I know how you talk a lot about your Sangha and your tribe and, uh, just want to, you know, uh, want you to take us through, you know, how did you find your tribe? And if there's someone probably listening in who doesn't really, you know, is in that state of transformation and it's probably not found their new tribe yet, uh, yeah. what would you share with them? For sure. So I think association is everything. And I remember very vividly that being the most courageous step I actually took. So when I earlier spoke on, like, you take those choices and you make those small decisions, sometimes. Now, when I look back, that was not a small change. You know, I actually feel that was one of the biggest changes. And that's why a lot of resistance, a lot of hesitance. But I luckily had one friend, just one friend. And again, quality over quantity always. But um, that one friend assisted me to take that leap of faith and, you know, cross from an investment banking to something that really stirs my heart and pulls my heart, you know, and take that plunge. And of course, there were other factors like my parents being supportive, community at large. But I think what really matters, one, be true to yourself, like brutally honest. And again, I think that's a function of Vipassana. When you start observing yourself, these lies almost peel away like layers. Like, you know, you think of the onion and we sometimes have so much lies unknowingly. You know, we, we've covered up so many layers. We don't know how to come back home to ourselves, you know. So I think... For me, Vipassana was that. And I remember for days and months, maybe just crying when I would go for a silent camp. And sometimes even on Arunachal Mountain, when I'd be chanting, chanting being Kirtan, being another really cathartic release for me. I didn't know what it was. There was nothing, there was no thought, there was no event that per se I was thinking of. But there were just tears and they were just coming out. And I think a part of that was just um, 
all these lies you know that probably i just told myself over the years and um, convinced myself of and i feel somewhere when we start being really honest with ourselves genuinely very honest with ourselves that takes courage yes it can probably takes makes you feel really uncomfortable but once that happens trust me it is again like a domino effect because you just attract i think i've reached a stage in my life where i'm zero bullshit like i cannot cannot tolerate it and somehow universe hasn't put me in a situation where i've had to de- deal with that and when i say lies i just mean you know a lot of superficiality a lot of saying something doing something feeling something acting something so a lot of disharmony and um i think yeah just tuning into yourself checking and having a practice every day pre- preferably that allows you to check in with yourself for me that's yoga uh, it could be anything it could look different for other people anything it can just be even five simple deep breaths before going to bed or first thing upon waking checking into yourself or when you look at yourself in the mirror asking yourself how does parmita feel today um because we're so used to these platonic answers like how are you i'm so good how have you been and you know and well that's fine not like i'm expecting you to have a big answer to a short elevator pitch or elevator hello hi but um i think it's important for us to check in very frequently you know and are here i would say as often as you can and in that process of you checking in you'll actually encourage and inspire other people around you and maybe when it's time those will come and be your friends but you'll also lose a lot of friends so i think that was again something that was very scary for me i almost lost overnight i would say a lot of my friends due to just a dietary preference that then later on became a lifestyle preference i just chose not to eat certain foods and food groups not to drink not to, probably didn't prefer sleeping late and just by virtue of just these three i had lost 99% of my friends and they were like okay what do we do with you like how do we hang we didn't know how to connect we didn't know how to interrelate we didn't know how to relate so where is a relationship if you don't know how to spend quality time with someone um apart from just partying going out whatever whatever that may be again no judgment there but yeah if you be true to yourself and if it doesn't resonate you have to take that courage to sort of disengage from those situations and i think that's key that's vital that is i would say that's the only step that matters and then as of, after i started following and started just being true to my voice and myself it took time but then in the process the magic just happened one day i looked back and i realized now it's no longer even oh this is the person i'm holding on to or this is my the, the closest person it's more like just a shared crucible of like-minded people and the energy is palpable so today whoever walks into my space i really feel very connected and um, even you walk into our moon circle you've experienced this as well maybe just a circle or maybe just a couple of circles and we already feel so interconnected and so um, easy to talk to you know and easy to be with and i think that's what we're eventually chasing from a sangha or a community or a family or a chosen family or friends just the lightness of being you know again tying it back to playfulness and uh the people who are right for you will just make you feel light and effortless you know it doesn't feel like so much effort doesn't feel and that's how you know that that's your truth that's how you know you're living in alignment so check into yourself if there's heaviness there's denseness there's struggle there's resistance chances are your environment is not something that's assisting you and your purpose and once you start doing things that assist you and make you feel lighter uh and take the courage to act upon that and like probably dis- disengage from people things that continue to make you feel that heaviness 
there will be a time of being alone maybe you know in momentary period for some people they automatically feel a part of a bigger community or a tribe for some people no they probably have to and i think that again that process of just sitting with yourself allows for that unlayering to happen those lies to fall away so that you can come in contact with your truth can birth clarity and then once that's happened once that clarity of thought vision action is there when those three come into ha- harmony i think it's again expressed in multifold in your reality and um i almost had and i always say this i almost had people when i shut investment banking and started prana i didn't know anything no one in my family is in fnb nobody had any like my mom had started a wellness space but it was not a business i wouldn't call her her agenda was to purely help cancer patients and then anyone with an ailment or a disease wanting to look at naturopathy profit or money wasn't even her agenda or her motive so i feel like her vision was different but it set the playground it set it set the edifice for me to sort of go and like explore but that being said i feel the people who walked in were just angels i had someone who sponsored to just you know help me out with menu planning someone sponsored to design my work magically if i wanted a cause that i want you know i want to kind of support underprivileged women i would get table mats coasters aprons people reaching out to me that we want to help you with this um So when I'm saying the solutions almost just appeared, you know, rather than me having to go there and find it, solutions in the form of people, in the form of ideas, in the form of um, Instagram was actually a very, very. I've had a very healthy relationship with the tool and the medium, and actually connected with a lot of like-minded people on my journey through that. And I think that was again a representation or a reflection of me being honest. It was me sharing. There's nobody I've employed on Prana Kitchen to share my voice. It's just me sharing my voice out there authentically. and i feel that again sent out like this energetic vibration that was reverberated by the universe through people through conversations i would on rough days randomly receive a dm saying keep doing the work you're doing you know and it would really fill me up and and then i started realizing that oh okay there are like 10 people seeing my story there are not even one person walking into my space but there are 10 people like this is overwhelming and i think that's when i started feeling like i started feeling connected to people thing situation over than what i just saw and that's when you start believing you're really supported so community or sangha doesn't just come in physical form of course it does that's where it begins but i think where i now derive my deeper sense of purpose and fulfillment from is just this energetic family and soul fam or whatever you want to call it sometimes it can just be an interaction a conversation with a stranger and it just makes you feel very light and that's it <laughs> so yeah that's my little bit on finding your sangha or community yeah but so that sangha came from the buddha that's where i picked it up from vipassana and yeah. again you always stressed upon but i always stressed upon that you can't walk on this path alone you need friends and like minded friends so yeah. uh, no shame in asking for help no shame in saying i can't do this alone and hopefully somewhere you find that energetic match and uh i able to reach out but if not definitely sign up there's always there's so much happening in our city now more than ever or anywhere i think you know it's accessible for you to be a part of try and do dress rehearsal try different communities i i think that's again important for you to see what's working for you you know it sort of like helps you understand oh i like this i like that and then live that yeah. and you automatically attract you know like minded beings yeah beautiful so again going back to that uh, centering in your own awareness understanding yourself staying connected attuned and really understanding what are you feeling right and 
probably monitoring that over a period of time and uh, like you rightly said right like uh, the book i'm writing is actually called you are fine right and it's obviously about how most of the time we are not you know we say i'm fine and we move on you know it's like almost like a courtesy question and then we move on to other things but the truth is that you know we are either always stressed overwhelmed strung out burnt out on the verge of it and there's just so much emotional turmoil going on within us and you know we're just fine stoic beings outside and uh, I don't think stoicism was meant in that way, right? It was yeah. the other way that you really are able to work through everything and are able to be equanimous no matter what happens. But I think we just turned it around into a pretense. But I think that's beautiful in terms of really just being true to yourself and attracting the right family wherein it's effortless, right? I think a lot of time, you know, most of us probably were people pleasers, you know, for us, putting in that effort is the only way we know how to hold a relationship right or going that extra mile so learning that lightness of being and playfulness and just being effortlessly at ease at yourself and knowing that it'll happen I think that was uh, what I took away from it uh, beautiful so I think I just have one more question before we go into the rapid fire right uh, so you first started out as a practitioner of yoga and are now teaching yoga I uh, just want to understand how has that transition been and how do you continue deepening your learning because it's not it's an endless oasis there as well right so absolutely wow this question it always makes me still pinch myself and be like really teacher <laughs> uh, and I've always felt unfamiliar with that title I feel you know because it comes with again a certain sense of responsibility and I'm someone like I just want to play I'm a child I'm a student of the earth <laughs> but uh, student first always and teacher later I never actually intended to teach yoga yoga was a journey I stumbled upon uh, when I had my own health conditions I would just fall uh, growing up dust allergy a lot of cough and a lot of like frequently fall sick and uh, I remember once when I was really unwell my dad being like we need to go to the doctor or you know and I was like um okay and we went to the doctor and I came back and he's prescribed me a lot of medication and just didn't feel right intuitively I'm like I just don't want to do this I'm just going to chew on my wheatgrass and I'm going to just do my kriyas and I'll, I'll hopefully be fine in the morning I'll sunbathe <laughs> and I'm done um and I think that's when my dad was like okay it's fine for you to choose not to have this but you need to have at least some deeper understanding of this and that's when he actually pushed me he did the same diploma in yogic sciences from Kevaladam earlier on in his journey and he um, definitely pushed me to do it and he said you just need to have a better understanding of your body and um, have a connection with your breath you know because again that's your life force and uh, health is such a function of that and Again, the most subtlest things are the most undervalued. You know, when we think of health, we think of this physical, tangible body. And um, we think, oh, we have to rectify it. 90% of the people who come to my yoga class, can I headstand? Can I, can I do this? And I think that's where I feel I still struggle to be called a teacher. Because one thing is I don't want yoga to be misrepresented. At least that's something my teachers in school, I was fortunate to have yoga as a subject in my school from a very young age. Miss Sanjana, Miss Pardiwala and um, they took us to um, Mother's Ashram every year it has yoga school camp and I think one thing I learned is like yoga should not be diluted you know and that's something I was, was also reiterated in Kevaladham by Swamiji and that's the one thing that you know it should not be diluted and I feel that's where people think that yoga begins and ends at asana and they don't realize that's just a limb that's the first limb it's the most tiniest aspect of it you know and um, 
even people who come and i just want to do that i have a back problem i have this problem not realizing the energetics of it if you have a back problem you have a shoulder problem there's an emotional imbalance there's an energetic imbalance and only when those are rectified if you can't back bend there's so much fear there's so much dwelling in the past your heart is closed um if you can't forward fold there's not that much humility there's too much ego there's too much identification with your um sense of i and i feel these are things that as a yoga teacher i can't just tell you and it's not going to just go away right there's a certain level of personal effort that you as a ardent student as a practitioner have to employ and there's time that's going to allow for those things to unravel so i think that's particularly why growing up i found yoga a very personal practice and i think it almost felt like my sadhana my prayer i'm not religious but for me my yoga is my religion and um uh the saint teresa of avila i think she's an 18th century um mystic she described prayer as a frequent conversation held with the beloved and uh, i think that's when i realized like this is something that is so magical so mystical and so intimate to me how can i share this with anybody else how can it be of any use to anybody else like this is me this is the problems i am dealing with how do i help somebody else i don't know if someone else is having a problem i go through a breakup i get on my mat i cry i do child's pose i do some back bending i do bhujangasana i'll just do it my body is intuitively just responding to these problems with these solutions i was like that may not apply to somebody else it's not just a asana it's a sacred geometry it's creating a certain energetic field force field that releases certain blockages that probably are ailing me may not be somebody else i think that was my mind and like thought process for not teaching it was never i want to keep this knowledge to myself or any mm. of that it was more i don't think i'm equipped to share this and i don't know if this is a useful piece of equipment until obviously much later on much after i lost my brother much after a lot of other life challenges i actually looked at myself and i'm like yes i'm different i acknowledge that i'm different from a lot of people but what has helped me claim my uniqueness and i think that's where yoga stepped in you know that's where i realized it really helped me feel at peace with myself even though i wasn't just a product of what i was seeing mass produced in my society and um that's when i felt a lot of people today just with the amount of stress the lifestyles the comparisons the instagram as well you know like i said i have a very healthy relation with it but i've seen a lot of people you know come back and go down this whole mental health psychosis of sorts um you know just comparing and just feeling not enough and not adequate enough and i feel that's where i felt yoga was a very effective tool also with self image issues doubt um self esteem So that's when I decided that actually I want to share these gifts, you know, and with whoever is willing to um show up at class at practice. And now with time I would say um it's definitely the the pandemic made it very apparent for a lot of us that health is something that cannot be put on second gear. It cannot be just kept in the back seat and kept that oh okay as far as I have no disease I'm healthy. It's not that. Uh people understood the value of life, the sense of urgency we want to give to feeling radiantly alive feeling our best because we're not promised tomorrow and um, yeah i think um that's where i feel i started feeling more of value my gifts of more value because i saw that reflected in society and that's been my journey as a yoga teacher i still cringe when i have to say that and also because there are shoes that are so big to be filled when i think of teacher and the teachers that i have met on this path um, 
truly been graced and blessed it's and and um i feel when you put somebody in that position as a yoga teacher just the value and the respect i hold for that but yeah a lot of key values that come out of that again as a yoga teacher you know humility grace um things that i don't think someone can again just teach you you know when you come it's like it's like the guru finds you it helps you from going from good to root from darkness to light so when you are in that state when the fruit is ripe enough it falls off from the tree you will find your teacher you will find your guru in whatever form and it will change maybe you don't have that same teacher all through but um yeah i think that's been my journey i've had lots of different teachers and um i've had my own coming back to my own grounding practice cuz that's something like i said it's my prayer time it's my sadhana so that's something i don't compromise on at all even if i'm a teacher in fact i'll cut out on classes but i can't pour from an empty cup so uh definitely that's something i keep coming back to to work on myself to try out new experiences and yeah dress rehearsal always the playful attitude always best to say i don't know it and try on a new skill a new style so i think for me that's always been something that's very um enticing enigmatic but i think at the heart of it definitely sharing yoga in a practice that sounds true to me you know and putting more emphasis on things apart from just the body so when people come in and i'm like build a relation with your breath that is yoga like sit with yourself that is yoga sit in silence watch the sunset that is yoga so like you rightly said in kevalya dham they said yoga is a 24 hour, 24 hour thing and when you think of that you're like ah, am i supposed to do yoga 24 hours that's too much responsibility but it almost is it becomes effortless you know and at some point i'm not saying 24 hours but at least it starts the moment you get off the mat it's yeah. again the mat and the time on your mat is like weight training so that it can become an involuntary action in times of genuine stress when you are experiencing life and there's stress and you're able to manipulate your breath and able to you're able to tell your mind okay there is challenge there is physical discomfort but i'm okay and that's what we're doing in the pose when we say sthira sukhamasana or when we say prayatna shaitilya ananta samapatti when we when we're talking these sutras we're actually living it in those moments on the mat we're actually telling and training our mind that breathe breathe through it all because that's what's creating neuroplasticity that's what's hacking into your nervous system and telling your mind that yeah i am experiencing ah this hurts but at the same time i'm breathing you know and that that is where the magic lies you know that is yoga so i think for me just sharing that that subtle simple knowledge for those people who want that and want to not just receive it through the mind but experience it with me mm-hmm. uh is what i like to offer so most of my energy and time and commitment goes into my group classes um some of it goes into my private mm-hmm. beautiful beautiful uh what you shared reminded me of another guest we had on the podcast uh, raki suryavanshi another yoga teacher and you know one thing that she said stood out to me and what you were also saying right that yoga comes before all of us right that is uh the the science of it or the study of it that that is the topmost priority right as teachers as anybody practitioners i think having that humility to put that above all of us because that's where we derive our uh learnings and inspiration from right and like you rightly said i think uh, for me as well because i think uh, i've been meditating for almost 5 years now and i started an asana practice just last 2 years right so people usually ask me saying what you know you say you're a you know a practitioner of yoga but you don't know asanas and you can't do a headstand and i'm like there is just so many different layers to it that i you know by chance had it because i found yoga through meditation but it's just so beautiful because 
I think it's very subtle the way it works on us, right? Uh, uh, and like you rightly said, you probably recognize the benefits of yoga when you're in that storm, you know, and you suddenly say, hey, I'm a different person. Uh, like I felt that during the pandemic, you know, that the whole world was raging up in a storm and I was calm, you know, peach. Like I was like, okay, this is <laughs> happening, all right. It gives yeah. me more time for my practice. And you don't realize that, you know, otherwise I would have been an anxious, nervous, control freak because that's who I was just four years ago. And you recognize all of those things when you are suddenly put to test. And like you rightly said, that's what we're learning through those asanas, right? How do you breathe through it? Like, I, I think one of the only things that my yoga teacher, even now she says, right? She looks at my face and she's like, breathe. You know, you're holding your breath. You're not even breathing. And that's all we need to know that, you know, even when your body is twisted into a crisis, can you remember to breathe at that moment? Because that will pass. And, you know, you can just anchor yourself to the breath and stay grounded. Absolutely. Yeah. Up the way you put that. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Shall we go into our rapid fire? Are you ready for it? Yes. Okay. All right. We'll start with the easy ones first. Um, morning person or night person? Morning. <laughs> okay. Punctual um, or always behind schedule? Hmm. I would say I'm punctual for um, like a class. Like I'm very disciplined, but then I also like to go with the flow. So if I not with classes, but barring classes, if there are any other schedules or appointments for whatever reason, I'm not able to make it on time, or they get cancelled, or then I would say I'm more free flowing, mm-hmm. uh, easy to be changed. But for classes, if there's a that sense of discipline is there for that but for others I would say I'm flowing <laughs> impromptu with whatever life wants to throw in me lovely okay books movies or podcast huh, books I think yeah books yeah. so if you had to pick your top three books which probably transformed your life what would they be <laughs> okay you can make three five whatever just comes to me top three puts pressure <laughs> it's all about being light and playful okay um, i would say definitely what changed my life was sun food diet success system it is by david wolf a raw foodist um i also would say um the 40 rules of love by elif shafak i really enjoyed that book fiction but also a lot of deep philosophical layering in that and um, maybe in my experiments with truth um, Gandhi's autobiography Gandhi's autobiography mm, lovely yeah. okay um, role models you look up to and what qualities in them do you admire again um, I think everyone has something beautiful and if, if and not as well we all are shades of grey but I definitely feel today the person I am is a lot to do with my family so they are my closest most uh, influential (laughs) role models Uh, that being said my parents for sure Um, so I think both of them have today whatever I am I think is a product of that and if I'm proud to be this person it's definitely their doing so I think, yeah, both have taught me a lot in different aspects. Dad's been very disciplined, um, gone to a military training school. So a certain sense of posture is always maintained. And that makes me realize having a certain posture, again, changes the energetics. You know, how you show up, how you talk, how you receive, uh, 
how you also attract so i think that's where i got mom is all heart all play all love uh, again whatever you do it has to have the undercurrent of love and i think that's mom for me so lots of values lots of nuggets just to be living with them is all grace and again living with my grandparents being brought up with their love and nurtured with their love i think that's where when someone asks me what are you most proud to be indian i think that's my biggest wealth you know just having this uh, deep sense of belonging and family whether i'm blessed to have it as family but if not then chosen family but yeah i think that's uh, those are my role models <laughs> beautiful one word to describe the pandemic for you uh downtime with fam i ah. actually was quite happy with that one <laughs> <laughs> that's nice uh anything that's non negotiable in your daily routine things that you just have to do I guess I'm more or less free flowing as a person but definitely um uh, checking in with myself so prayer for me is my yoga or any form of like just tuning in whether it's journaling whether sitting in silence any form of that um also playing with my puppy now that I'm a pet mom I think <laughs> <laughs> selfless service is that <laughs> so um definitely so sorry about this so uh yeah definitely playing with my puppy is another, yeah <laughs> going up on time <laughs> <laughs> right yeah lovely all right uh one thing you wish your younger self knew it's <sighs> a good one hmm. it's all temporary <laughs> it's all transient yeah not to hold on to everything that happens in life everything that somebody says or that you hear don't judge your own actions like as though you know it's do or die 100 or zero um i think yeah just learning to sit in the middle at times and also getting comfortable with the discomfort because it's all transient you know we can only we can only understand life when we understand loss and we can only celebrate life when we learn to accept loss and suffering so they both are sort of flip sides of the same coin so if i just tell myself to um, embrace change and i know that's still a toughie for me and uh, human conditioning naturally to be like resist change and fear it but i think that's changing i think that's what i'm trying to change over time of the resistance to the fears that come up and tapping into like faith a lot more often and surrendering to a higher plan to a higher purpose yeah lovely that was actually going to be my next question you know we always interview work in progress human so our question yeah. always is that what are you working towards you know what is uh, parmita <laughs> 2.0 i think definitely this faith over fear yeah. uh and letting go of control peaceful resignation i think somewhere the older i grow the more i think i know is the only thing i know is that something higher is taking care and it's more than what meets my eyes you know all the study of sound energy medicine all of that just reaffirms my belief that um yeah like i said we think asana is just the body it's just the beginning right the breath the most subtle things are actually the most profound so what we can't see is actually what's governing our life and the direction of our life so trust trust that it has something best in your highest good plan for you yeah right one tip that you'll give for someone who's just beginning on their journey of yoga 
it's not just asanas <laughs> and well while it's great if you can do headstands and handstands and definitely post it share it shout it out but um it's not just that it's just the beginning so please continuing practicing and don't think that when you achieve that headstand oh i've become a yogi No, <laughs> you will know it. You will feel it when you are progressing on the path. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or digressing and yeah. realize the need to come back. <laughs> I think that's how I realized my path <laughs> when the sadha went off. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. If the last question, if there's one takeaway that you want audience listening into us to take from this conversation, what would that be? Oh, this has been so lovely. How do I give you just one? Okay, give me a couple. <laughs> I like what you said about being equanimous. I think that's something that um I just spoke about sitting in the middle and also sometimes when life throws both shades, you know, try to cultivate tools, practices, rituals with your community by yourself whatever way to to achieve that equanimous state and I think that's um that's that's been a byproduct of my lifestyle i would say tuning into myself a lot doing a lot of yoga eating clean or you know journaling reflecting meditating moving with awareness all that has actually helped me um just play this funny thing called life better in <laughs> <opinion> again <laughs> there's there's no right or wrong in the larger scheme of things but yeah i think that for sure was one of i think the highlights and play 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 you know when we <laughs> practice 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 there's a certain sense of seriousness to it so i'm like just play 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 <laughs> that's definitely someone who's tuning into this it's okay if you make mistakes and a friend recently was just like life is to be experienced so live it you know sometimes it will take you on that roller coaster high sometimes on the down low and somewhere in between hopefully you figure out how to ride the wave <laughs> so yeah yeah, yeah. so beautiful Ah oh, thank you so much I can keep going on but pleasure. it was time. absolute pleasure <laughs> thank you thank so you much Swetha and all the best and keep doing this I think it's so inspiring not just for people your listeners but also people like me at the receiving end I feel so humbled and so inspired and um, just so many cute creative new ways of sharing your gifts and I think that's beautiful and thank you for having me here and looking forward to seeing you soon and I hope my saw gives you all the yogic wisdom you're in the land <laughs> so uh, whatever you're seeking i hope it finds you super soon thank you thank you so much it was a pleasure speaking with you likewise see you